Welcome back to the Four Pillars of Health podcast, where we talk everything exercise, nutrition, sleep, and mindset. With me, Mel. And me, Dan. So today we have Kerry senior footballer Shane Ryan. So Shane is known as the goalkeeper for Kerry, and he's also a very talented outfield player. So Shane, uh, thanks for coming on. How are things? No problem. Uh, thanks for having me. Things are as good as they can be in the current climate, I suppose. Yeah, um, geez, yeah, it's a, it's a reckless time, all right. But uh, so, do you want to just, just for the listeners, give yourself just a brief introduction about like your background and your kind of sporting history as a younger as a younger athlete? Yeah, um, I suppose I would have I would have uh, played football from the age of from the age of four. Anytime I could walk, really, my family would uh, be big into sport, not just football. Um, I, I, I have three siblings who would all play sport, and um, my parents would be quite interested as well. Um, I would have went to school in uh, in Rathmore and um, played played my local club Rathmore as well, and uh, probably would have played with Kerry from the age of fourteen onwards in development squads and up into minor squads and under twenty one and senior then. Um, so I suppose anyone that knows me probably knows that a lot of my life would take a football and it would be it would have been a huge priority of mine all all through all through my life. And um, at the moment, I find myself in a in a Kerry senior panel, which is somewhere I've always wanted to be, and currently. Currently, I'm enjoying it. So, starting with Kerry now, like how how did that kind of happen, and what's the process of like being, say, scouted or whatever? Was there people at your matches, or was there people just hearing about like, oh, this fella Shane Ryan uh, for Ratmore is unreal or whatever? How did it actually happen? Yeah, um, I suppose. Und- funny enough, how I got involved in Kerry initially is kind of a is, is kind of a unique and a weird story because I would have played soccer with Clarny Celtic. And I would have always played outfield with my with my club Ratmore, and um, I went actually. Um, I think it was a, a soccer summer camp. I can't remember the name of it, but when I was ten, and I was on in Clarny Celtic, and I played in goal for a drill, just just kind of for the crack and missing. And I, I actually was quite good at it, unknowns to myself. And when the lads asked me there, would I come along and play with Clarny Celtic for a bit? And I did at the age of ten. I played with Clarny Celtic for three years, and I ended up getting on the Kennedy Cup squad, which is. Um, a national tournament for under 13s in the country and it would be a quite a quite prestigious tournament for underage uh, soccer players and I probably would have made a name for myself as a goalkeeper on that and then I was drafted into the, the under 14 development squad um, and I played in goal there with Kerry under 14 and I've kind of continued there all the way to minor and I suppose uh, when we won all Ireland minor back in 2014 that kind of puts you on the map um, and a lot of us who won that all Ireland 14 have kind of come through to the senior panel and in terms of being spotted for the seniors, I suppose you play you play under twenty ones with Kerry, and then you play with your club, and coaches and managers. I suppose they watch you in those games, and um, you get brought in for training, and depending on ground train, then I suppose you make a national league panel, which is kind of a, a preliminary competition to the to the championship, and from that there you develop into kind of into a, a championship player and kind of a, a mainstay in the in the Kerry panel. Um, like it happens that young too like um like it, even like from the age of 14 and stuff like that's that's where it seemed to to kind of spark but um like what kind of like influenced you along the way like and like did you kind of have any like inspirational players that you kind of looked up to at the time yeah first and foremost um and i think it's the case of a lot of people is their family are their biggest influence and i was lucky that i had a father and a mother who were very supportive of me um, my father would have had a particular interest in football and he would have played with us out in the backyard when we were only four and five. Um, I had a brother that was two years younger than me. I had a sister that was four years younger than me and I had a, another brother that was six years younger than me. 
So, I mean, we were all very close in age. So you can imagine out the back garden there in the summer evenings where we were beating the head off each other, uh, playing soccer or playing tennis or playing golf, whatever, whatever we could find. It was just that kind of competitive element. And I suppose when you have that with your brothers and then you all play football and myself, my younger brother would have played on the same team growing up as well. And um, so there's always that bit of competitive element. And I just, I adored Kerry footballers growing up, particularly Seamus Moynihan, who's, who's from Glenfless Mel. He wouldn't be too far away from you there. Yeah. Um, like he was, he was iconic. Um, in, in when I was growing up, like he captain Kerry to an all in 2000. And I remember watching him play like, and just, he moved with such grace and, you watch him playing in Crow Park and you watch the Gooch and Morris Fitzgerald and these players, players playing Crow Park. And every time you watch a Kerry game, you can't get home quick enough to try practice what you've seen on the field. And like it wasn't, oh, I need to practice to make Kerry. It was practice because it just sparked something inside in you and that passion for football and that passion for Kerry. And um, I suppose that's where my, my huge influence was when I was young is watching these players that I, that I loved watching television on the field, going to matches. And trying to replicate them in the field or in the back garden when I was at home. And it was just a love for football, really. And um, I suppose it was something that I shared with my friends too. Like anyone I grew up with in school that I was good friends with, I also played football with them. So um, I suppose that kept my interest in football there throughout, throughout my teenage years as well. So you were, say, you were saying watching players with grace and all. So like for the listeners like that don't know, myself, Shane and Daniel were actually in the same year in school. So uh, at least one third of us was good at football. But uh, <laughs> I remember, I, I, I distinctly remember, like if I remember anything about you, is you were very, you were very skillful and very talented. Like not, I'm not just saying just athletic or anything like that, but you had skills for for a fella that was taller. Like I remember just messing around up the field, like when someone would do a crossbar challenge or kick the ball in, and sure I'd only be there for throwing elbows and throwing shoulders <laughs> and everything. I had no skill or anything, but Dane would always be the fella to somehow get his head to the ball and into the net. So I just remember thinking, like, if you wanted to do any sport yourself, you probably could have been good at it because you had a natural, you just had that kind of natural thing that other players don't. Yeah. Um, like I'm not I saying suppose, you don't work I, hard. I'm saying that you yeah, are very talented. Yeah, like. I, absolutely. And um, I suppose for a, prof- a professional, like I'm a, I'm a PMS teacher in Dallas and McCroom. So I'm kind of seeing things from the other side now where I would have, I would have spent a lot of time outside when I was young. Um, not necessarily playing football, but climbing trees or running around the place or playing any sport I could. Like we, we, we have a farm where I live and I'm, I live in quite a rural area. So I would do a lot of exploring and stuff like building rafts in a river and trying to make a float. And, you know, you kind of learn a lot of motor skills there, whether it be uh, hand-eye coordination, um, acceleration, deacceleration, without obviously knowing those concepts when you're young you do a lot of these fundamental movement skills and that kind of helps transpire them when it comes to, to sport because you have those skills naturally, as you say. But you see a lot of kids these days and I suppose technology is a huge thing now. People are inside. They're not ex- outside exploring the world and doing these fundamental skills. Um, and it's very evident when kids come to football pitches now at under six and under eight, you know those people who have been outside. You know those people who are physically active because it's very hard when you reach the age, I, I'm not sure the research, but when you reach the age of 10 or 12 to develop those hand-eye coordination skills, even the whole concept of skipping. You know, some kids can't skip. They don't know how to skip, which is baffling to people of our generation because, no, we're not that old, I suppose, but 
we spent time outside because we didn't really have playstations. Um, I suppose that's where the natural talent comes from then, just practicing when you're young. And it comes like it comes it comes easy to after a bit, but at the start obviously it doesn't. But um I suppose we can't really re- remember those days. What would you say now, like just talking about the, the hand eye coordination, would you see like um like natural talents diminishing like over in a like a couple of years' time now? Like um like how, how would you see that going and stuff just like- um Interesting question. Um, I suppose it eventually will. I, I, I hope when we can a couple of a couple of years time, me being twenty five, I hope I get a couple of more years out of it. But I think that I'm probably actively focusing on it now. Um, so it's something that I probably got to a certain level. I'm obviously trying to improve it because I'm competing at an elite level sport. Um, I would maybe after maybe in your forties or fifties that's that's to dwindle, but. Hopefully in the not, next... not not with you, like, but with um, oh, sorry, generations. Okay. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> oh, um, I know what you meant. Sorry. I think I wasn't going to inter- interrupt. I think I knew what you meant. Yeah, just okay, future so generations. Right. Okay, yeah. Um, looks like it. I mean, if we're if I'm only going from what I've seen in 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 different schools, um, I suppose if you're not practicing something, you're not going to get better. At it. So if the less time you're spending outside at those different sports, at those different activities. I was listening to a podcast this morning. Um, Joe Connor did one. He's a, you might know him. He's a lecturer in Tralee. And he asked his first year students every year how many of them had built a treehouse. And he, he said that every year that that number is getting less and less because people just aren't exploring anymore. And I suppose if people aren't exploring and trying those fundamental skills, they're not improving them. So when they get older, they may not have them then, do you know? And we I were suppose, kind of lucky. We were kind of lucky, yeah. to what you said about generations and all. Like, I know we're not that old, but we just about escaped that. Like, I know we had PlayStations and all that, but I didn't really, like, I had one when I was, like, I don't know, 12, and my dad threatened to sell it on done deal because myself and my brother were fighting over it, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, and, and, we, and just got, we just escaped that, I think. We did, we did. Absolutely. And um, we were, we, like, we were lucky because any spare time, any spare time we had, we had to find inter- entertainment. And entertainment was very seldom inside the house entertainment was somewhere outside where you were meeting a, a neighbor, meeting a friend, going out with your siblings, just making up stuff. And even that creativity of making up a game, because you like, I, you listen to a lot of professional players and particularly rugby and soccer and you, and you, and you talk and, and they talk about their childhood. I, I know John Giles was on last week in Newstalk and he was saying that they used to make up games. Like there was a green patch in the middle of their terrace and they used to make up these random games just to play. And he said a lot of them went on to be professionals and semi-professionals just because they did stuff when they were young that was fun, creative, and it was practicing these skills that they didn't know was going to benefit them in time, but it was fun for them at the time, so they did it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, um, and also, right, so another question I have for you, right, so being a goalkeeper, is there any, like, is there any, like, visualization that goes into it or is there any, like, pre-game ritual that goes into it because obviously it's a very cognitive thing like you need to be you need to be aware like as, as well as 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 well as being a physical event you have to be there in your mind as well so is there anything that you do before a match yeah um there's nothing in particular that i say that i have a pre-performance routine will say that's that, that that's a common term no i don't have anything but i would always try to remain much calmer than i would be from an outfield perspective because i think if you're if you're playing outfield, you're building yourself up for physical contact, for running whatever that eight, nine, ten k you need to do in a game. 
I'm not covering two kilometers and most of that is walking. So I need to keep myself under wraps the whole time. I need to be calm. I need to be mentally assured. It's more my concentration. So I probably have a different preparation to the outfield players. Am I doing anything specifically? No, but I'm, I just kind of keep calm, focus what I need to do. Um, yeah, that's really the main thing, really keep, keep myself calm and collected because I can't leave my, or if I have nerves, leave them get the better of me or get my energy too, too, too high because then I become rash and I make silly decisions. It's like anyone under pressure. If you're calm, you make good decisions. And like you mentioned too, like that, you, like you watched kind of inspirational players and stuff, but like what did it feel like, like being there, like your debut and stuff and actually being there on the field? Yeah. I mean, my debut against Tyrone in 19 um, would have been very nervous before it. Absolutely. Because it's something you dream about and it's something you dream about, but something that you never think that you'll actually do. And I suppose all of a sudden it happens and um, it's a bit surreal. When you're standing out there, you're, you're wearing a Kerry jersey, you're looking around the crowd, the, the, that means the biggest crowd you've ever played in front of. You're playing with people who you would still idolise and people you watched in the stands only three years ago as a, as a, twi- as a 20-year-old. So that can be, it can be overwhelming, but it's, it's hugely exciting. I mean, the pride and the sense of, um, the sense of just enjoyment that that brings you. I mean, you're representing your family, your club, um, your parish, people you know, like you've so much support, like the text that I got before that game, my phone was hopping the day beforehand. I actually had to turn my phone in airplane mode that night because, you know, the messages were just coming through from everyone, you know, far and wide. And when you feel that sense of support, when you walk out into the field, you really do feel 10 feet tall. Um, and then I suppose, once your debut is over, you just get down to nitty gritty parts. You're training however many times a week. It just becomes part of life then after a bit. But you never forget that huge sense of pride uh, because it's a huge honour to play for Kerry. And at the end of the day, next year I mightn't be there at all. The year after I mightn't be there. Could be an injury. Someone could come in and take my place. So it's important not to take it for granted when you're there. And to work as hard as you can to be to be the best you can, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How, how do you deal with the pressure? Like, Because obviously it's a team event, right? But you are the last man between like the, the goals. Like you're the last, you're the man standing in the goals. Obviously it's it's everyone's job to keep that ball away, but like it's your fault in vertical commas if the ball. Yeah, goes in. yeah. It's but how do you deal with that? Like, is it do you do you put blinkers on? Do you like, or how do you do? You just not listen to people throwing yeah, shade if you let um, in the goal? Or? Yeah, like I, I suppose. Look, it's ex- experience teaches you this. I mean, I've made I've made plenty of mistakes. I suppose as much as anyone has. Um, I think all you can do is work as hard as hard as you can in preparing. Like, if you tick all the boxes with preparation. When it comes to game day, if stuff goes wrong, it goes wrong. You're going to have to put it past you. Um, but if you do everything right in weeks and months lead up to game, I mean, you do your kicking, your nutrition, your sleep, um, your fitness, your, your fitness work. If you've all the boxes ticked, if you've done everything you can go into a championship game, there's no more you could have done. And after that, then you play an instinct. I mean, obviously you've tactics and we talked about stuff before the match. But once you get to the game, if you've done everything you can do, you can be comfortable in that Whatever decision you make, you try to make it for the right reason. If it's a good decision, it turns out well, great. If it doesn't, you review it, you learn from it, you work on it, you move on. I think that's just the way you have to deal with it. Yeah, that's yeah. a brilliant mindset with everything, I suppose. Yeah, no, it can be easier said than done. Like it can be easier, like you know, there's there's definitely down days after after times that you make a mistake or um you you kind of replay things in your head. But I, as I said, there the longer time goes on, the more 
training you do, the more games you play, the more you kind of learn to deal with it in your own in your own way, I suppose. And what? Like, to kind of, oh, sorry, right, I was just at, at that level and stuff. Like, what are some of the toughest teams you've played against? Well, um, it would be no, um, it would be no surprise to say there will be Dublin. Um, like they're they're six in a row now. We haven't won All Ireland since 2014, um, so it's a couple of barren years for us. Like they have been the the standard setters. Um, I suppose the biggest game I played in is the 2019 Ireland final and and the replay. Um, and they were just, I suppose it's kind of hard for me to gauge because I'm not experiencing the, sh- the sheer raw power of their tackling, of their pace. I more watch it unfold. Like every inter-county team now is extremely fit, extremely fast, extremely strong, skillful. Like the level has certainly increased in the last five years. Look, Dublin are the standard bears without doubt and they're, they're up there and they're deservedly so up there. And it's up to every team underneath them to, to go chase them down. And with those, like, with the teams you said, like, getting better, like, do you see that in, like, say, with the training and stuff and nutrition and the, just the kind of facilities available to you? Is that, like, is that what's improving? Yeah, like, I only joined in, in, in 19, so, um, like, I have only two years under my belt because, well, this season hasn't started yet with, with, uh, with COVID, but from what I've experienced, um, compared to even minor under 21 days, like, Everything is monitored now, you know. Um, like no, no, like everything is taken care of for you, really. Whether it be nutrition, whether it be weights, um, like the county board and 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 would be very good to us. You know, we have a great backroom team backing us. Um, so I suppose every team is trying to cover every department that can be uh, covered to make sure that the team performs the best they can. But at the end of the day, I suppose we're the ones crossing the white line, while we can be given everything in the background. In training, at the end of the day, we're the ones on the field that make the decisions. So, um, while we're prepared as best we can, it comes down to us um, at the end of the day. Yeah. And what about your nutrition then? Um, so, like, how kind of strict is that around kind of like matches and stuff? And like, yeah, would you get catering and stuff like that too? Well, we're 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 um, we're fed after every training session, every game. Um, that's kind of the the rule of thumb for most inter-county teams, or no, for all inter-county teams, I'd say at this stage. Um, like, you, we, we, we would have access to a nutritionist. And I mean, you can bounce ideas off him whenever you would like. Um, nutrition, for me, would be a thing that is almost more important in the off-season or away from championship games. Obviously, you need to fuel correctly for championship games themselves. I suppose I would eat differently as a goalkeeper because I'm not burning as much calories or I don't need as, as much carbohydrates for energy. Um, but I, I would be good enough to mind my diet. I think in when I was 19 years of age, I was called into Kerry first just to, as, a, as, as part of an AVB game inside in training. And I would have went into the dressing room there and looked around and I'd seen the shape fellas were in. And I was saying, Jesus, I've, I've a long way to go here. And to be honest, that was kind of um, a light bulb moment for me to say, I need to get my physical me physically I need to get myself right because I wouldn't have really been interested in gym or uh, or fitness or uh, nutrition really until I was about 19 and that's strange because I, I did play football at a high level up until that but I would have been quite a tall um, young fella so I suppose my strength and my size would have gotten me till I was 18 and I would have been able to compete with most other 17 and 18 year olds so I didn't need to be I didn't need to be massively fit. I didn't need to be any stronger than I was. 
when I hit 19, I was playing senior football in Rapmore against lads who were 26 and 27. That's when it was like, okay, I need to get this stuff started. So I would have learned a lot in 19 uh, from more than one nutritionist. And I would have taken a lot of those habits on board. I did set a lot of habits there in place. I educated myself a lot around nutrition. No, I'm not robotic. Um, I, do, I do like my, my, my sweets and my sugar and my takeaways. But in moderation, I suppose. Um, and I, I would be, I suppose, I, I, I'd be conscious about mentally how eating well makes me feel. When I eat well, I feel better. If I feel better, I train better. If I train better, I'm happier, do you know? So it, 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 it's very much um, a lifestyle choice as much as uh, helping my performance. Um, so I would have a pretty good relationship with, with food and, uh, and nutrition. So just talking about the, the kind of S&C side then, without, obviously without giving away any secrets, like what is the training like for football? Is there a lot of, obviously there's a lot of strength, maybe hypertrophy, is there plyometrics, is there, what's the type of training routines that you would have included? Yeah, I suppose it's, it changes depending on the, on the, on the section of the year you're at. Um, I suppose in the last couple of years, it's, um, it's gone more from, you know, there was a lot of uh, bench pressing, back squatting, your, your compound lifts. But now it's gone to, okay, how can we train better in the gym to move better in the field? It's not about how much weight you can move in the gym. It's how you can move more efficiently, I suppose. So, I, like, obviously you do your heavier lifts in the off-season, you're more plyometrics then as you go as you go into championship but it has changed in the last year and that there is a direct correlation now between gym and field it's not two separate things which it was before you do your gym to get your strength you do your field to get your running and now they're both interlinked and there's a reason like there's a why behind everything like in anything you do in life I suppose there should be a why but particularly when you're uh, an elite team and it, it does it does it requires so much commitment time wise so you want to make sure the time you're putting in is worthwhile. So if you're doing some, if you're doing X, you got to get out Y. And once the players understand that, and I suppose the coaches drive that, um, it makes things easier to understand as a player. And you, I suppose, you're more motivated really if you understand if you think that you're going to get something out of this, you're going to put more interest. You know. Yeah, I suppose like, like one without the other is kind of like like the SNC side is supplementing your football. It's not the other way around. You need to be. You're only doing it to like age your football but um obviously all of them together with your nutrition and everything is important they don't work if you don't work on each of them individually so that kind of brings me to my next thing is do you take your sleep seriously and do you have like a routine or do you have a bedtime or do you get a certain amount of hours yeah i do i do like my sleep i think as i've got older i sleep less but i've slept less probably i'm not sure is that do i need less sleep or is my body just becoming accustomed to the times I'm getting up? I'm not sure. Uh, when I was in school, I would have had kind of a ridiculous routine. Really. I, would have been, I would have been in bed by quarter past 10 and up at quarter past 8. I would got 10 hours every single night when I was in school. And I, I slept right the way through. I was a great sleeper when I was young. Um, currently, I would, I would at least sleep a minimum of seven and a half hours a night. Seven hours minimum. Uh, but I think as I'm getting older, I'm requiring less sleep. And I think in lockdown, lockdown has kind of has kind of uh, played with my sleep pattern a bit because I'm not burning as much energy. Therefore, I don't feel I'm not, I'm not as tired, I suppose. Like when I was, would say, back pre-Christmas when we were when I was working and I was training. So you go to work from nine to four in school. I'd come home literally straight, eat a, eat a snack, 
straight to training, not home from training to maybe 10 o'clock. So you were leaving work for, you were leaving at work at half seven and you went home to 10 o'clock at night and you're pretty tired then and you're, you're in bed then by 11 really. Whereas now I'm at home, I'm teaching from home at the moment. I'm doing my, my bits of gym, my bits of running, but I'm not expending half as much energy. So therefore I don't require as much sleep, but it's something I would definitely take seriously because if I don't get enough sleep, same as my nutrition, I don't feel great about myself. You're, you're, you're low in energy, poor form. Um, and it definitely does annoy me when I don't get a good night's sleep, which is probably, which is probably a bad thing. Like, you know, sometimes there you're in bed and look up the ceiling an hour has passed, 11 slept. I get, that actually frustrates me, which is, which is probably um, a bit weird and a bit annoying, but um, something I do take seriously. And I would definitely get at least seven hours a night minimum. Yeah, like uh, seven hours seems to be, like we said on another podcast, that that seems to be enough. Like seven or eight hours is kind of what the studies are saying. Like, um, Daniel, have you any more to add? I think that's pretty much all I, that I have. I was just going to say, like, like what's what's next now? Like, what's your kind of long-term goal in, in the sport? Um, long, like... You probably we we have goals as teams. As a team, we have goals. Um, I suppose it's for me. It's about helping the team achieve that goal. For me personally, at the moment, I'm just taking it day by day because, like, we don't have any date back that we're going back training. So I'm doing what I can at the moment to to improve, whether that be watching videos or doing my bits of of kicking when I can and sticking to my sticking to my field. I suppose you're trying to check off small things every day, really without having this big long-term goal because I, I'm kind of hesitant to set a goal because I, I, we, we had thought we'd be back in March and then that didn't come and it kind of sucks life out of you a small bit. Um, so I suppose I don't really have anything long-term personally. Um, just take it day by day and, and hoping we're back in the field soon so we can actually we can actually compete and get back into games, you know, and uh, do what we love. Yeah, hopefully. Um, so then just kind of like my last question is like, um, have you kind of any advice to the younger lads now coming up? Like, um, like you spent a lot of time practicing yourself. So, like, is there any kind of secrets and stuff, or um, just any tips around like how to make it to the elite level for them? Yeah, um, I suppose the biggest thing for me was getting getting enjoyment and getting fun out of playing sport. Like, obviously, practice that's a huge thing. But I mean, if you don't enjoy your practice. Like there was a great bit of advice given to me a couple of years ago, and it was is if is was that if you don't see yourself doing something in two years' time, why are you doing it now? Because some people start stuff, whether it be, you know, going for a walk every day or starting eating a breakfast or doing something that they know that they're not enjoying and they're probably not going to be doing next week, and it's a chore to them. You know, find fun in the sport, whether that's go up for a few kicks, whether it's going into the gym find fun in what you're doing because if, if you if you enjoy what you're doing you will stick at it but ultimately if you want to make um, an elite level it is it is going to have to be practice it is going to have to be hours of just refining the small things but like that doesn't need to be methodical it doesn't need to be sitting down and planning out the paper I need to do this this and this just go up to the field take a bag of balls with you and see where it takes you because for me that still is the most enjoyable thing and that was the great thing about COVID um, that it was the first time really ever that I've had time off doing nothing no sport no games no training and I just went up to our local ground in, in, in Rathmore last summer and I spent I spent a couple of days there with the sun shining bag, bag of footballs kicking with my brothers and it just brought back so many memories that sometimes you can forget 
as an elite player. You know, everything is just so competition focused at times. Um, it can be important to remember that Jesus, this is a sport I love. This is a sport I that that I fell in love with when I was young. Something that I enjoyed. And I think if you enjoy something, you'll work at it. But you need to find the enjoyment in it. Because if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to work at it. Yeah, that's a brilliant message. Um, like, thanks brilliant for that job. anyway. Um, thanks for coming on and, and sharing your knowledge around football. Um, I, I hope it, it did benefit some people. Um, so, yeah, this has been the Four Pillars of Health podcast. <laughs>